You know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. Hey, it is time for us, we being those weekend golf guys, and uh, I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith, Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher, freshly returned from a whirlwind week in Orlando, Florida for the PGA Merchandise Show. You got that right. And now that you had your car and you didn't have to pack an extra suitcase to take the plane home to Indiana, just to drive back down the road a little bit to Florida. So how much free stuff did you uh, abscond with? <laughs> I had no room in the car because of my great relationship with smart to move, you know, the force plate company, guess who they needed to ship a bunch of stuff to, to put in their booth at the PGA show. They had to ship it somewhere in the United States so that they could get it on the show floor boxes and boxes and boxes. And I had a little bit of room for my clothes. And then on the way back, you would think I would have an empty car, but I managed to pack my clubs in there because I had a friend of mine convince me to go play some golf at, at a real nice place. The last day of the show, we kind of skipped out on it. We went off and played hooky and played golf at a really nice place. And then we came down here to uh, Bonita Springs, Florida. So I didn't abscond with any goodies whatsoever. And that kind of defeats the purpose of going, doesn't it? I didn't even see many goodies when I was there. Yeah, it's all that so drinking I get there. you guys do at night again, right? Well, actually, that's not true. It's true for some, but not for me. You know, I get there on Monday and Monday night, we, we meet all the guys that are staying at our house mm-hmm. and there's like eight teachers. Everybody kind of piles in at different times because everybody's on a different flight schedule. So we're just hanging at the house and getting with each other a little bit, talking shop and putting golf swings and whatnot on a television screen and go, you ain't going to believe this, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then Tuesday rolls around and it's demo day. Right. And last three years I've been a speaker at Demo Day. And this year, uh, I was there with a good friend of mine, Mr. James Hong, friend of the show. Matter of fact, he was on a couple weeks ago. Yes, he was. We were speaking on on golfer development. We picked from age eight to 18, a decade of development. Okay. And we, we knocked it out of the park for an hour in front of a whole bunch of folks, golf professionals and parents and all kinds of people that were there, right? And then I had to hightail it out of there because I had to meet with some people and then we had to go to the open forum and get that all set up properly. And that's uh, that big teachers forum, big right. teachers conference that I'm involved with setting all up every year. And it's a big deal. And that takes all night. So we get the leave demo day and then we just go do that. So my Tuesday through midnight is just gone. Right. And then first day of the show is Wednesday and I get to the smart to move booth and start talking to them and, you know, standing in their booth, talking to people and showing them off the the product and and get to see a little bit on the show floor and uh, meet a few people that I needed to meet with. And then I got to go to the Foresight booth on Thursday and I was speaking at the Foresight sports booth, you know, with the GC makers of the GC quad Mm -hmm. and the the Falcon and the, and the, the, the GC three and whatnot. I was speaking in their booth twice on Thursday. So it was just, it was crazy. And then, we left on Friday and play golf. Most people were uh, a little bit more enthralled with the the stuff on the show floor. And I really didn't see a whole lot of it. Yeah. Well, a lot, you don't need a whole lot of it. I mean, the, the, no, stuff, the stuff that you guys use, you were in their booths. Yeah. You, you were doing the force plates and the, the simulators and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you yeah. know, the, the teaching accoutrement. Yeah. 
as they your French buddies would say. I did see <laughs> that that Foresight's got something really cool. All right, it's a ten thousand dollar projector that's above you, projecting the really cool stuff right on the floor that you're hitting off of. For example, a target line and a circle for a ball, and it shows you the path that the club came in and the face angle that it was on at impact. It shows you tracing it right in there, and it shows the the information that the that it gets right there on the floor. So you could have no other technology in the room. And this would be right there on your floor. So even if you don't, so want everybody the num- could have one of those. If they even just if you don't know what the numbers mean, you'd be able well, to see what the numbers mean. Uh, yeah. You get to see like, you know, if your path is four degrees to the right, or right. Yeah. Five degrees to the left or in the, in the ball. And it says club head speed and it'll pick the ball speed and it'll put three of them up there at a time. And at the same time, it'll show you visually on the ground, this club path that the club was on and it'll show that whole thing coming through and it's really cool. Oh, did you buy me one? No. Oh, okay. Didn't even buy me one. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> again. <laughs> right. In, and they weren't really just like handing those out at the show to people just passing by. Huh. I wonder why. Oh, Might be because well. it cost $10,000. <laughs> <It> could be. <laughs> and you didn't even say, gee, I don't know. I didn't see that in the stuff you sent me. <laughs> yeah. You know, oddly enough, the same crowd wasn't there. You know, TaylorMade not there. You're kidding. No. Not even a demo day? No. Wow. No. Apparently, you can't get to demo day if you don't have a a presence on the floor. Oh, if you're not on the floor, floor. they won't let you. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Because otherwise, the club manufacturers would probably just choose demo day. Yeah. But the reality of it is the Titleist is always there. Yeah, you know they've been a longtime supporter of the show, a big booth, and you know a lot of guys in white jackets. If you remember, you you know in your days that you used to go to the show, they'd all stand around there in their white lab coats. Yeah, yeah, looking very smart and official. The golf doctor. <laughs> yeah, something like that, right? You know, and you get to see the history of their clubs, and you know they got all these cool displays of what used to be. Yeah, did they did they uh, showcase their new ball? I didn't go in. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I mean, I got a I got a, a press release last week, actually the week before last, just prior to the show starting, about their yeah. new ball. Well, then I'm sure they did. In light of what the the USGA has done about the golf ball, why is Titleist coming up with a this goes farther, faster, longer <laughs> new ball? Well. Every year they come out with a new ball. Yeah. Right. Different version of it. Yeah. And by God, they're going to sell distance and they're going to sell that thing until the USGA says you can't. Actually, and I they're think, not going to, and they're really not going to be able to tell them that they can't. No, actually, I think, you know, what we've decided is they're just going to thumb their noses and say, I'm sorry, USGA. You're the only people in the world who don't want the golf ball to go farther. Every one of yeah. our customers, that's what they want, and that's who we're going to sell to, not to the USGA. So thank you very much. Keep your opinion to yourself and back off. Well, you're saying it eloquently like Titleist might say it. <laughs> like the way <laughs> Jeff Smith might say it, <laughs> I got- which would be beep, 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 <laughs> you. <laughs> 
you know, I, I just, I just have this, this thought in my head all the time about normal, regular people playing golf. Right. Yeah. And, and we have to do what's right for them. That's the, you know, all this stuff we always hear about, we need to grow the game. Okay. You know, I, that's altruistic and it's wonderful. But really, these yeah. guys at Titleist and Callaway and TaylorMade and the people that are in Strixon, the people that are making Bridgestone, the people that are making golf balls. Yeah. They want to sell more golf balls. And the thing that sells golf balls is it goes farther and it feels good. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So they are not so interested in, let's say, oh, let's just grow the game. They're like, let's grow our business. That's what they're into. Yes. Which is, you know, let's grow the game. Is kind of code for let's grow our business. Yeah, they need more golfers in order to but it's sell really more hard golf balls for man. a manufacturing company to get on board with. You know, their advertising camp. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and ten years ago, yeah, the thanks. first the first PGA show I went to. Thank you, Facebook, for the memory. Uh, I remember the USGA had this big thing they were doing on growing the game and what they were going to do to grow the game guaranteed to get more people involved is they were going to try to find the best amateur golfer in the country. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That's going to bring a whole lot of people who shoot somewhere between 90 and 110 on an average day. That's going to bring a whole lot of them all excited into, wow, how can we participate in this? You know, I mean, the USGA is just, they got their heads up their butts. I'm sorry. Don't be. They have no idea what they're doing. And if they ever want any help, if you want to do it right, guys, just call us. Okay. Here's here's the thing is that they actually used to do something that was right for all the amateur players out there playing at public golf courses. And they took it away. What was that? The Pub Links Championship. Oh, yeah. I remember there that. qualifiers for this thing all over the country. Yeah. And people thought it was awesome. Yeah. That they're talking about all these players that are not country club folks. You had to be, you could not be a member of a country club. You had to have your handicap established at a, a bona fide 18-hole or 36-hole or whatever, straight up, pay-as-you-play public yep. golf course. Yep. And they, everybody used to love it. It was fun. It was fun. Everybody well, could Back in the day, I played in the qualifier for that thing. Yeah. Right? And it was for everybody. It, it Exactly. All you had to have was a handicap index, period. You didn't have to have one of it. It had to be a two. Then no. they had to get it. So you had to be the better players, right? Yeah. Of their who's signing up. So then all of a sudden, you had to be like a five or better. And then there were so many of these public golf course players that were that good that they finally had it to be like, yeah, that'd be like a two or better. And you know what? It's, it was full of interest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was. Sure. Because, it was. Hey, we got know, a, we got an email. Everything. Yeah. We got an email, man, from, from a listener who said, could you get Jeff to try to explain to me again, how to hit this ball straight off the tee? So... <laughs> When we come right back, why don't you uh, explain to this dude how to hit the ball straight off the tee? All right, because we promise you we'll answer your questions, and that's a bona fide one. We'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. 
Okay, I got to tell you, there's one thing that uh, I can't do, and that is get you one-on-one lessons with Jeff Smith for 10 bucks a month, $120 a year. I mean, he's worth a lot more than that, and yes, indeed, he charges a lot more than that. But let me tell you something that, that is worth a lot more than that, but does not charge a whole lot more than that, and that's a class at Masterclass. I'm taking a class on acting. And I'm taking it from Helen Mirren. Friends of mine are taking classes on wine appreciation. They're taking classes on how to negotiate a raise from Chris Voss, who's like the recognized expert. Whether you own a business, you're working for someone else, you're working for yourself, or you just want to learn something new, check out Masterclass. For $120 a year, have unlimited access to one-on-one classes with all 180-plus Masterclass instructors. There's new courses being added every day. You can go and you can learn something just because you want to learn something, or you can learn something to make you feel more confident in your life, in your in your business life, or in your home life. You have a friend who needs one, you need one, tell you what I'm going to do. Give one annual membership and you will get one free at masterclass.com slash golf guys. Right now, you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash golf guys. Masterclass.com slash golf guys. Offer terms apply. Okay, we are back, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton. He is top 100 teacher Jeff Smith, and he's gonna he gonna prove his top 100 chops right about right about now, as he answers a listener's question: How the heck can I hit this ball consistently? I think, and that's probably the operative word in the question: straight. Yeah, off the tee. Okay, so so here's the thing. If, if the question is, how do I hit it straight off the tee? First thing you have to do is understand what makes balls curve and what makes balls go straight. Right. Because if you're lacking that little bit of knowledge, then you're susceptible to this guy says you got to do this. And that guy says you got to do that. And you got to do this with your shaft and you got to do this up at the top of your golf swing, you know, and you're susceptible to all that stuff. Yeah. If you're not focused on the thing that actually makes a ball do- stop curving, right? Right. So let's talk about that for two seconds. At impact, your hands have had to have delivered that club into the back of the golf ball with the face pointing in the same direction those hands are swinging that club head. So let's say, John, that your club head is pointing at your target at the impact, mm-hmm. but the hands and arms are swinging that club, not anywhere near your target. You, sir, have a difference between where the face is pointed and where the face is traveling to when it hits this ball. And that is a recipe for a curveball. <laughs> right. And just so, depending on what direction you're swinging your arms offline depends on whether you're curving it to the left or to the right. Right. So let's boil this down to how do we hit a straight shot? And in just a few sentences, put your hands on the club, stick it out in front of you. Don't stand at a dress yet. Just stand upright and stick the club out like straight out of your chest, your arms at full arm extension. And first things first, check the face of the club. If that thing isn't straight up and down, you may want to fix that. Mm -hmm. Then kind of rear back and bring the club around your back and then swing it right out in front of you and stop it right where your left shoulder is and ask yourself a question. Do my hands and arms deliver a straight 
to the target club at this moment? Or did I do something that changed it from when it was good to now it's lousy? So if you can fix that first and make sure that you can begin to swing a straight facing club into the impact zone, now you can tilt over and watch it happen on the ground, but make sure you do it, you know, fast enough to be useful Mm -hmm. and slow enough to be visible and make sure your club head stops again at impact. So then you can see that you're delivering the face pointed where it's swinging. First things first. Right. Right. Then let's put the ball right where that shaft lines up with your left shoulder, where the left arm is straight and the shaft is straight out of it and the face is straight then. And that's where I'd put the back of the golf ball. Really simple, not overly complex. So there's your one minute version of, hey, let's straighten out my ball flight. Okay. Can I ask a quick question? Of course you can. You just said to stand up upright and just hold the club straight out from your body with your arms straight. Yeah. Just look do at you it. Do, it. do you do it from the middle of your body or do you do it from like aligned with your left shoulder or does that depend on what club you're checking? Well, if it's, if it's a driver, you know, we're lining everything up on our left shoulder. Right. Okay. Right. So I'm doing that and seeing what the heck I'm delivering. But if I see a twisted club face come slinging into impact, what's the point? Right, because there's a whole lot of people that are going to twist that dude one direction or the other. Yep, it's a tough deal. So we got to think about it. Like I have a handle that I'm holding, but this handle is no longer attached to a shaft. It's attached to a flat two by four, and I want to hit that flat side of the two by four. You know, the the big flat side, not the little skinny side. We hit the big flat side against another one of those big flat sided two by fours down at the bottom. And it's going to make a really loud smack. Yes, it is. Right. So if you just think about being able to do that and then you can start to turn your body into impact and just take it back a little, see what you get a little slow, slow mo and then stop it there a little slow mo and stop it there. And you find out that your natural body rhythm and motion can sling that in there at impact pretty darn straight. You're in pretty good shape. And stop listening to the people who keep telling you the unimportant stuff, like make sure your right heel is off the ground when you finish your Look, swing. And you know. if we're talking about straight, we have to talk about the knowledge that the face matches the swing direction. Right. That's- and we have to think about the simplest way to do that. And a lot of times, John, I see a lot of people with a lousy grip. Yep. And when they pick it up and they stick their arms right out in front of them at full arm extension, their wrist extend and everything's in a straight line, that club face is cockeyed. Yeah. And that's the first thing to check. I mean, that's, that's the first thing Jeff taught me to do. And I want to know what I'm swinging before I swing it. Yeah. You know, if that's a left facing club that's coming into that ball or a right facing club coming in that ball, I got to ask myself, what am I going to have to do to straighten that thing out? Mm-hmm. And if it happens to be something in the middle of my downswing, I'm I'm in trouble. Because yeah. believe me, Too we fast. don't have time for that. No, no. That's what was going to be my next question too. Is 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 what what are the fixes? Do you do that? You know, you hold it out, and you got it straight, and then you bring it around, still 
still holding it chest level and you, you swing it around and come back and stop it where it should make contact with the ball and you see that the face is off. Is that a grip problem or a swing problem or? Well, I asked two questions of the player. Okay. Did it start screwed up or did it get screwed up? Okay. Right. So uh-huh. if it started good and got screwed up by the time they took it back, then it has to be somewhere in your hands and arms. Okay. That's when it's just sitting right out there in front of you. Maybe you're putting on putting on one hand or another that's a club twister. I've seen it happen with one hand or another. So, you know, we got two of them. And a lot of times, too, when, when you take the grip that somebody on a video on YouTube has told you is the proper grip, but is not your natural grip, your body is going to make that change to the natural way your hands lay in the motion of swinging that club. Yes. Your arms are wanting to seek their natural arm hang position as they move very fast through space in a very short amount of time. The bones and the joints are trying to line up as per your body would naturally do. And that's the operative consideration there is as your body would want to do. So, you know, there is no absolute right grip for everybody. It's really tough to make a blanket statement in golf because everybody is different, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people out there trying. How about the guy with a prosthetic arm? Mm. What do you tell him? And then they answer, oh, well, that's different. Like, okay. So then I give him another different scenario and another different scenario. And then they start saying that's different. And they're like, well, then who's the same? And my answer is um, nobody, probably not very many people. Yes, indeed. Okay. So I hope that answers your question. And it is different. Uh, again, when you line the club up to make sure that it's straight, you know, the face is, is straight with irons. It's cool. You can do it just by checking your grooves a little bit more difficult with the driver because you don't have those grooves to line up, but you, you just got to get used to, to to looking at what it should look like when to to look at being parallel, because you and you can't make that judgment when it's on the ground behind the ball either. Yeah, that's a tough deal. Yeah, that's a tough deal. So then there's that. Does it go straight at my target? You know, since he didn't specify, he just asked about it in a driver straight. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just say it is going straight but it isn't going at your target. Yeah. Now we get to ask the question about alignment and ball position. Right. Right. Because if it's flying in a straight line, that means the club face is matching the path when it plowed into the golf ball and everybody's happy. But if it's not, if straight line gets you off target, then we got to look at your targeting system. Yeah. That's a whole aiming thing. It's totally different. Yeah. And, so I don't look at alignment and ball position things until I get the face under control. Right. Because it gets people all screwed up to think that they have to fix five things at one time. And fix one thing at a time and we get the face to match the path. And once we're convinced of that, because we're finally hitting, you know, straight line golf shots. Then we can start looking at the targeting system and go, hey, guess what? It's a straight line. Why don't we just point this thing a little better? Yeah, it's, it's it's the whole whole idea of, of of getting it one thing at a time and making sure that your mind is clear so that the swing thoughts 
don't pile up because again, the length of time it takes to swing a golf club from <laughs> from tank away to back to striking the ball is not long enough for multiple thoughts to go through your head. I'm sorry, it's impossible. We got more. We're coming back. Hang out. We are those weekend golf guys. You want to know how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith really is? Just go to jeffsmithgolfinstruction.com. Check out the information there. And we are back just as promised. Those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He, of course, Jeff Smith, Golf Magazine Top 100 teacher. And and I, I apologize for not writing down your name, Mr. Listener, but I hope that... What Jeff has just described in great detail helps because you did ask how to hit the ball straight and you did ask off the tee. So, you know, when you line up and make sure that the the face of the club is straight, do it in alignment with your left shoulder or your right shoulder if you're left-handed. And, you know, it is, it is not okay. That again, that's not totally accurate. Make sure it's straight when it gets to the position where you would want to make contact with the ball. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay. We like that. Yeah. See, I listen. We like that. I, I pay attention. I, you know, here's the best part is that, you know, we've been doing this for four, 13, 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even seem like we've known each other that long, honestly. I know. And you have not aged any. No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't gained any weight. All all my hair. Yeah. yeah, Only my hairdresser knows for sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you you have picked up on a handful of things over the course of the years. Yeah. You know, I think that as the time that we've done this show – I think my level of sarcasm has grown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think my, my level of, of talking to people about their golf games has grown stronger. I, I like it mm-hmm. more than I used to like it. Okay. It was interesting. Do they like it more than they used to like it? I guess. That's... I guess that depends on my level of sarcasm. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So interestingly enough, right? So I, I get a chance to work with young people and middle-aged people and older people. And I found that the older people actually like a little bit of humor more mm-hmm. so than I thought they did. Oh, okay, cool. It's just different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you know, the young people, you can get right to them. You know, you can punch them right in the brain <laughs> with stuff. You know, yeah. you can hit them really hard with some things and punch them right in the brain. And man, they straighten up and do the do the stuff they're supposed to do to hit the shots they're supposed to hit. Right. You know, I, I here's a good example of that. Uh, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I had a great young man fly down to Bonita Springs from Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. In tow, he brought his father. Is a 14-year-old, so he, you know, really, his father kind of did the job. His father anyway. brought him. I gotcha. Yeah. And uh, his father and his his golf coach, his, oh. his current golf professional. And they came down to learn some stuff. And they came away with an awful lot of things. But here's a young man 
We started with the short game. We had a little three-hour get-together. Mm-hmm. We started with the short game. And I saw him, and I started asking bits and pieces of his game because I watched the short game style that he was using. Ball back, hands forward, popping down on the ball. I said, are you any good at it? He says, I come up short a lot. I said, you do that in tournaments? He said, yep. I said, what happens? He said, I come up short a lot. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. Is there any other shot that you hit? He goes, yep, I hit this other one. And he took a different club and put the ball back, the handle forward, and popped down on it again. And he still came up short, and it was a longer club. Hmm. I said, how often do you actually take the longer club and come up less short? And I looked over at dad and said, and he's shaking his head at me like, never. <laughs> Kid goes every once in a while. I said, ever, do you do it ever in a tournament? And he goes, nope. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So I get, this is where I get to start punching him in the brain. I said, okay, so what's the value of that shot to you? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, on your scorecard, if you're coming up short, doesn't it mean that you're in two-putt territory all the time and really never in one-putt territory? He said, yeah, that's exactly what's going on in my short game. I said, and you're telling me that you continue to do that? He said, yeah. I said, so you pick a shot and a club that has proven time and time again. Not to work. (laughs) To cost you one stroke every time it happens. I said, so tell me how often during a, a round of golf is this happening? Give me an average number. And the kid says seven times. Jeez. Now, here's a kid who shoots in the high 70s and low 80s at 14 years old. And he just told me out of his own mouth that he's giving up seven so- times around. Seven shots yeah. in a tournament. I said, so what's the value of this shot? He said, well, one, one stroke. And I said, no, it's, it's not. I said, on a scorecard, you could say it's seven. But let's start looking at the, at the end result of the tournament for a minute. How many players are in the field and where did you finish because of those seven shots? Middle of the pack? Below the middle of the pack? He said, yeah, a lot of times, yeah. I said, so if you were six or seven shots better during the next or your last tournament, where would you have finished? He goes, oh, I would have won easily. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, so you're choosing not to win. He's looked at me like, what? Mm -hmm. Well, you just said you would have won easily, and you know that. He said, well, I got fourth. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You got fourth but you're giving away something. I said, so that yeah. that's not a win on your resume. That's a fourth on your resume. It's a 78 on your resume as opposed to a 71. Mm-hmm. And I said, college coaches are looking at this. And then they watch you play and they see you, they walk around because he's a kid that, that college coaches are paying attention to. Okay. I said, so they're watching you make bad choices. And they're logging that in their brain. Instead of hitting a club or a shot that could get you close, 
you're choosing one club and a shot that won't. And they know what they're looking at. So you're choosing to then take yourself out of the realm of what the play, what the coaches are looking for. And so they bypass you. And this kid is just going, Oh my gosh, this guy is hitting me right where I live. Right. Cause mm-hmm. that's exactly what I'm trying to do. He's wants to be yeah. a division one college golfer. And I said, you can't do that. He's only 14 years old. I said, but you can't make those choices because the timeline of these coaches that are recruiting people, they're looking at you at 14 years old right now. And they are hoping like crazy that you get to be a smarter player than what you're showing them with that shot alone. I said, we haven't even talked about any other part of your game yet. And you're telling me right now you're giving away your college chances. By so choosing the, a club and a shot. Did the coach that come with him look sheepish or did he just take Oh, he looked a little shocked because I went right at him. This is the first five minutes of the conversation that I'm okay. having with this kid. Okay. Because they came to get better. Yeah, exactly. They came for some real help for this young man to get himself to college golf. And it wasn't just golf swing stuff. It was just everything. And this young man responded right away. I mean, his eyes perked up, his ears perked up. He was in tune to what I was saying because he, I put it into perspective for him. And his golf coach that, that brought him to me was looking at me going, wow, I'm not hitting anybody that hard. And I'm like, I am. Yeah. You don't have to be nice. You just have to be good. It's, it's not just, you know, it, it, people understand that if you play with poor choices of the shot to choose or the club to do it with, and you wind up with bad results and you keep doing that, I have to wonder, are you crazy? Are you, well, first, are you capable of learning and improving or are you stuck in your mindset? Yeah. Because he could have chosen any club and he could have chosen a different shot. But he's going to do this one until he he consistently does not do that. Right. And so I had to punch him in the brain. Cool. So that, that he could wake up and choose something different. The kid had talent, didn't hit fat shots, didn't hit thin shots. It's clean and crisp. Every shot they made great contact with, right? He popped on it. He hit the shot, right? But the club choice or the choice of shots mm-hmm. were, were something I wouldn't do. A little suspect. Cool. All right. So Jeff Smith, top 100 teacher and brain bruiser, um, is available. JeffSmithGolfInstruction.com. We'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang on. Well, of course, we have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash golf guys. Go there and follow us. Like us, please. And we are back, those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. And if you got a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 12-year-old, 10-year-old, whoever, that wants to get better, that's doing something wrong, bring them to Jeff. Not to, Okay, I'm sorry. I, I used the wrong nomenclature. Not doing something wrong. Doing something ineffective or ineffective. Yeah. Something that doesn't get him to where he doesn't get he or she 
to where they want to be. I uh, I went to a networking thing online just earlier in the week and um, met a woman from California whose husband is a uh, recuperating golf superintendent. Oh, really? He has a degree in turf management. Uh-huh. And he worked for very many golf courses until he decided to get a real job. <laughs> so... He, uh, he's teaching now, but, but, and I asked her, I said, so do you play golf? And she said, Oh no. It was like, okay, sorry. I asked, but they have a 14 year old daughter who is, uh, quite good. Uh, made, made the high school golf team as a freshman. That's good. They're giving her we lessons like and getting, getting her lessons. And, you know, and she's in Cal Southern California. So she has a 12 month season. So looks good. Now you're in Florida with a 12 month season. This kid that came to you from uh, Charleston, South Carolina, also has a 12-month season. He does. So he's got a few months that are a little colder than down here, and we got a few months that are hotter than fire. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty it's pretty darn hot in Charleston, South Carolina, too, let yes, me tell you. Yes, it do. I mean, I've played tennis and golf on, on Christmas days in Charleston, South Carolina, in shorts and a T-shirt in 70-something degree temperatures. Uh, so, yeah. You know, it's rather uh, tropical now and again. And also, you know, played with the alligators or at least played with missing the alligators or ignoring them or whatever. But uh, speaking of alligators. Yes. Last week, I was out on one of the golf courses here at Benita Bay. The uh, I was on the Marsh course on the seventh hole. And I, look, I've seen a lot of alligators on golf courses in my life, right? My time I've spent down in Hilton Head, and we've seen mm -hmm. just some ginormous ones down there, right? I have seen now the single biggest alligator I have ever seen or ever thought about seeing in my life. It looked like a dinosaur. Yes. <laughs> it was unreal. This thing had to be 16, 17 feet. Oof. His head had to be two and a half to three feet across. It was the biggest behemoth oh. I have ever seen. I cannot imagine how they could keep an alligator that uh, like allow an alligator to be that large on a golf course pond. Yeah. That thing, um, I, that thing doesn't look like it has eaten dogs. It looks like it has eaten a whole pound of dogs. <laughs> it looks like it's eaten every seal. It looks like it's eaten every fish. It looks like it's eaten like people. Too dear. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. So naturally I stayed a far away, but I zoomed in. Mm -hmm. Got a great camera. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on my phone. I zoomed in a lot. <laughs> and this thing, I, I swear, it is literally the biggest thing I've ever been around. And I watched it move and it was not graceful. But it was a powerhouse. Do they it move was, fast when they're that big? Well, I, you know, he was just crawling. He was okay. just moving. You know, he probably moved about 10 feet and shifted himself. Okay. But it was enough to let me know that, yes, he was alive mm -hmm. and I need to stay away. Yeah. You think you could outrun one? I have no idea. I don't want to try. <laughs> I don't want to find out. <laughs> So, but the, so here's a, here's, here's a suggestion when you play golf in Florida, play with a fat friend that you know, you're faster <laughs> than. <laughs> oh man. Here, here's, here's something that, that 
can happen to you too if if you happen to communicate with us. Remember Randy, our listener Randy, who, oh, yeah. who worked up at uh, American Dunes in Michigan. I remember, yeah, Randy yeah. Uh, F. Friedland, yeah, yeah, Fried, yeah, Friedland. He um he posted on Facebook last week from Bonita Springs, Florida. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. I said, hey, go down to Bonita Bay and say hi to he Jeff. Should have found yeah. me. Yeah, he may still. He may still. Oh, good uh, for him. Yeah, but that's that's what we have a relationship with some listeners who uh, have been around for a while. And if you're new to the show or if you just have, you know, caught us now and again, you know, hang out with us, man. You know, check us out every week, ask questions, join the Facebook group, you know, facebook.com slash golf guys. I love it when they send in a golf question, you know, just gives yeah. us something to talk about. That's just that like, Hey, we're answering some of our listeners. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're here for, man. I mean, Jeff, Jeff doesn't get to be a top 100 teacher just because he's cute, you know? This this is this is not how you get to the top one hundred list. It's you know you got to be kind of good at teaching people how to play golf, and Jeff is great. I mean, I I Jeff doesn't believe this, but that's okay. But my handicap index at the end of last season was eight point six. Everybody so. understands. Everybody in this audience understands a few things. One, you can lie on the golf course. Mm-hmm. You can lie to the scorecard. Mm-hmm. And you can lie to the handicap computer, Mm -hmm. but people usually do that to make their scores go higher, Mm -hmm. not lower. Right. So you, sir, are the exception. I I am. I'm trying to just test myself. That's right. You're actually trying to get better. I'm trying to get as good as I can possibly get. And there's, there's, there's another season about to start. Right. So in this thought, that John could be fibbing to go lower. It is not true. (laughs) He does not intend on having a vanity handicap. No, most people, when they fib about their handicap, it's to get more strokes so they could win a few extra dollars and cheat their buddies out of 20 bucks. It's called sandbagging. And we did a whole show on it about six months ago. Go go to the archives and check it out on, uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever, on, or on the, the website, thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Yeah, we did. It was a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. <laughs> I remember. I got but to call, yeah. I got to call people out on that. Yeah. But I'm not sandbagging. I, I don't, I don't like to sandbag. I, uh, you know, I, I have had some, some ups and downs because this is such a silly game. And, and I, I participate as co host in another podcast called The Approach Shot. We talked to some, former athletes, I mean, some big names, um, retired athletes. I think the last four guys we talked to have had Super Bowl rings, <laughs> at least at least one. But we talked to them about their careers and also about their golf game. And the thing that that is the overriding idea that all these guys complain about, and these guys are athletes, professional athletes, is that they can go out on Tuesday and shoot 72, go out on Wednesday on the same course and shoot 102. And that's something that we all experience in this game. And it gets frustrating. Yeah, the, the experience that these these players have, they have game. They have the ability to control their mind. Yeah. They've been competitors at a lot of things, so they don't get rattled. Mm-mm. 
but they sure do get frustrated like everybody else. Yes, they do. Because they know what their physical capabilities are and they get caught up in one little thing or another and it makes them just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And that makes them golfers. Yes, it does. That's what it makes them. <laughs> makes them golfers. Yes, it does. But yep. again, uh, we, we've got a, a, a couple of groups. We got got the uh, the the page on Facebook, facebook.com slash golf guys. We have the League of Extraordinarily Average Golfers yeah. on Facebook. <laughs> That's like the greatest name ever, isn't it? It is. It is such a fun place to hang out. We post some good stuff, and and we've gotten some uh, some people joining. And you know, it's it's great. You may find a, a new golf buddy in your hometown who you know can play. I've joined a, a, a golf group outside of our little conglomeration of, of websites and um, already met three guys who one guy lives in Georgetown, Indiana, plays at Valley View all the time, which is, of course, right across the river from me, which I used I, I love to play at all the time. So as soon as the temperature gets above 50 and the sun starts to shine again, because we've had 21 consecutive days of rain in the Louisville area. Um, oh. We're going to go out and we're going to smack it around a little bit and do it. But we would we would suggest highly that you uh, check us out online on Facebook at facebook.com slash golf guys or join the League of Extraordinarily Average Golfers and get your questions. Because unless you're, you know, scratch golfer, there's something that you are wondering about how to do better. And Jeff is here to answer that question. As he just said, he loves to do it, and you don't have to pay him an hourly rate to answer it on the radio. Okay? Kind of fun. Yeah. So do that. You can email him directly, jeff at thoseweekendgolfguys.com or at jeff at jeffsmithgolfinstruction.com or just send it to me, john at thoseweekendgolfguys.com, and we will get it on and we'll talk about it. So do that if you have a mind to and you'll be much better as soon as the next time you go out and play some golf. <laughs>